Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Solana Valley Church. We are so glad that you're all here with us today. And uh, so good seeing Nathan back from UCLA. Yay, Nathan's here. Woohoo. Um, we're so glad you're here. And we just want to invite you to stand with us as we worship the Lord this morning. And what's exciting is at Christmas, the whole reason we have hope at Christmas is because Jesus came. And today we're celebrating his birth at Christmas. And um, so our first song, Oh Come All You Faithful, I love that it just says we need to come and adore him. So that's why we're here today. We're here to adore Jesus and worship him and celebrate the hope that we have at Christmas. So um, at this time, we'll go ahead and start. And here we go. Ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, oh come, ye, oh come, ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels, oh come, let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord God of Oh, come, 
appearing. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, the whole reason we have joy is because Jesus came. So when he came, that's when joy started. So let's sing joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sense and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse, the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. the Lord. Well, the night Jesus was born was truly a holy night. And this is one of my favorite Christmas songs, Oh Holy Night. And just think about the words, 
and think about just falling on your knees and worship to our God today.
You can have a seat, and Gary's going to come up with an announcement. Awesome. Fantastic. So, in the Okay. Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. We're really, really glad you're here. If you're joining us either through YouTube or if you're joining us through uh, Facebook, we're also grateful that you're with us. Matt, if you're watching this morning, we hope you feel better soon. Uh, and, Mom, if you're watching, I love you. You're wonderful. All right? So, I think I said everything I was supposed to say there. <laughs> so, hey, I want to say, uh, first of all, uh, obviously welcome, but I want to say a really, really big thank you to Joy, uh, to Kayla, to Dan, uh, kind of for stepping up last minute uh, when Matt became sick and then our, um, our backup got sick. They just stepped up and kind of last minute, and I really appreciate you. Yeah, you can, you can say thank you. And, uh, and then, and then, uh, I probably should, well, not probably, I should say big thank you to Dan, because otherwise he may turn off my sound, uh, and also uh, to Joe for Multimedia for Sound, uh, because, you know, they're kind of like, I, I hate to say it, but it's almost like you can treat them like they're invisible, because you don't always see them, but what they do is very important. So, thank you guys, really appreciate what you do. All right, so... Uh, what I, real quick, we're going to do a greeting time here in a moment, but before we do that, uh, I'm looking forward to the series we kick off today, although I feel very anxious about being able to preach the message I'm going to preach to you, because it is like humongous. It is like, uh, it, so, so I'm in, I am excited, but I am a little bit anxious, and I hope, yeah, this is going to be really good for you, and I'm really wanting this to be a special time of worship. So I don't want to rush through what we're kicking off today. But I do want to look ahead at what's coming. Because I don't know if y'all know this. Did y'all know that 2023 is almost here? I'm still putting stuff like, I don't know, 2013, 1994 on my, you know, when I'm, I'm putting in dates. But uh, 2023 is almost here. And we really want to kick off the year well. We really do. And the way we want to do this is beginning on January 8th. I know the new year begins on the 1st. But beginning January 8th. Uh, we're going to do a spiritual growth campaign that we're going to be kicking off. And in case you don't know what a spiritual growth campaign is, it's where we want to have alignment between what I am talking about on Sunday mornings uh, with, along with what you're reading, like in your daily reading, and then also with what we are talking about, like in the context of our small groups, our home groups, or I prefer to call them 240, 242 groups after Acts 242. But... Uh, so what we're going to do, it's going to be called 40 Days of Purpose, and it is loosely based upon um, the book that was written by uh, Rick Warren a few years called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, he does have an updated version. Not a lot of the text is updated, but he does have, are they called QR codes? Yeah. So they have QR codes. Oh, so that's what it looks like. That's what the book looks like. But it has QR codes in it. So every single day you have a short reading, which takes maybe, I don't know, five to ten minutes to read. But then there's also like a short video by Rick Warren each day. And then uh, the messages are going to be different from the way Rick preaches it. Not because Rick Warren's, I think Rick Warren is a great preacher. I think we have really different styles. And I think that's honoring of God. And so I'm not 
diminishing anything about the way Rick Warren preaches and teaches. It's just that we're different. And I value the difference he brings to the kingdom of God. But I also believe that, that, that God kind of um, has gifted me differently. And so I, the messages I'm going to bring you are going to be a little bit different. Uh, but we, what we want to do, I, I think that t- thinking about our purpose, the purpose that God has given us in our lives, I just think periodically it's really wise for us to take some time and think about that. I mean, that your life has a purpose. God has a special purpose for you. And what we want you to do and what we want to help you do is to not um, to discover it, because my, my guess is you probably have a good sense of what your purpose is, but it is to kind of like uh, reacquaint ourselves with what it is that, that our lives are supposed to be about. So we're going to be kicking that off beginning on January the 8th. So at this time, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take a moment uh, to greet the people around you, walk across the room, someone you haven't greeted in a while, and then maybe what you could do is you could talk about something you're looking forward to this Christmas or maybe a favorite Christmas memory or a favorite Christmas movie. I'm going to talk about mine later.
on. Hello. There we go. Let's all start heading back to our seats. And uh, feel free to stay standing. Um, you know, one of my favorite songs of all times is what we're getting ready to sing, and it's called The Goodness of God. And the reason I love this song is it's a declaration that no matter what we're facing, no matter what season you're in in your life, that God is still the same. He is still good, and we're going to declare his goodness and his faithfulness. So as we sing this, I just invite you to worship God for his goodness today. Let's sing this to the Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so Of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness, goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. 
Stand by you. Yeah. you can be do y'all want me to stand by her? This is my date. All right. right this is. Okay. Yes. Well, a couple of announcements for you guys today. Um, we're super excited about our Christmas Eve service. That's coming up uh, super soon. It's on Saturday, December 24th. And we're going to have a Christmas Eve service right here at 6 p.m. at the church. We're super excited about it. We're going to have some Christmas carols and hear the Christmas story. And it's going to be wonderful. So we hope to see all of you here for Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas Day, it's on Sunday this year, we are going to have a service online only, Christmas Day at 10 a.m. So we will have a 10 a.m. service online only on Christmas Day on that Sunday. And it's going to be wonderful. So I invite you, if you're with family or friends, you can uh, turn it on online at 10 a.m. on Christmas Day. And so also at this time, we're going to worship God with our giving And if you're here in person, we invite you to, um, if you want to put in your offering at the silver slot behind the the sound booth, or if you go to our website or app, you can look at other online ways of giving. So uh, thank you for your giving, and thank you for worshiping God with your giving. And at this time, I'm going to invite my cute husband to preach. So take it away. All right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about grace today, and nobody needs more grace than me. All right. Uh, And and believe me, not just because of the glitch this morning. All right. So, um, you know, with uh, uh, this is really kind of cool. Well, okay, I say it's cool because I'm a Bible nerd. Okay, Uh, because I've got a like a cool story from history uh, that that one of our songs today kind of reminded me of that goes right along with this text. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know about you guys. I 
enjoy Christmas stories. You guys like Christmas stories? I do. I do. I, I mean, I love the stories of the Bible. I, I love all the stories of the Bible. Some I like more than others. Some of the stories in Judges, not as crazy about those, but I really love Bible stories. I do. They're awesome. And the more I read them, the more I get out of them. I just, I feel like it's very interesting to me is that so much of God's word is narrative. Now, narrative is extremely difficult to preach. That's why a lot of preachers don't preach it. Uh, it's because it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, and, uh, but I love stories. And I love, uh, I love Christmas stories that, uh, okay, so I'm, a friend of mine the, the, the other day, he, he was telling me uh, how you write a script for a Hallmark movie. Uh, you know, because on Hallmark you have a lot of quote-unquote Christmas movies. And, and the way you write it is boy meets girl. Uh, girl does not like boy. Boy, you know, wins the girl's heart. Uh, and then a crisis happens and girl really doesn't like boy. Uh, boy says, I'm sorry, I'm such a klutz. I need grace. Uh, that's for me, for my life. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, they fall in love again. They kiss and save Christmas. Okay, that is the script for a Hallmark movie. And uh, but I like all the other uh, Christmas movies. I really do, and I do like some Hallmark movies. Okay, it's easy for me to make fun of. We could do the same thing with every action adventure flick too. Okay, uh, you know Bruce Willis saves Christmas. All right, Mel Gibson saves Christmas. But but in uh, one of the stories that Joy and I like to watch, one of the movies we like to watch, is uh, we, we like to watch Christmas with the Cranks. Any of y'all uh, watch Christmas with the Cranks? So it's got Tim Allen in, in it. Uh, it's got Jamie Lee Curtis. It's got Dan Aykroyd in it. Uh, let's see, Tim Allen's character's name is Luther. What is Jamie Lee Curtis's? Uh, what's her character's name in it? Mrs. Crank. That's that's right. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. So anyway, what what happens is uh, is is that uh, they they are empty nesters for for the very first time. Their adult daughter, who's in college, is going. She joins the Peace Corps. She's going to go away, live in Peru for a year, and uh, and so she leaves on Thanksgiving Day. And you know, Mrs. Crank and Luther are you know they're like you know kind of sad. Kind of sad. They're, they're sad for their daughter to leave. And so Tim Allen comes up with this brilliant idea. He comes up with this brilliant idea. It's like super cold, wet, rainy. You know, it's, it's, it's snowy. It is Chicago. All right? Everything you would not want in Christmas. All right? Uh, it is like cold and miserable. And he sees this, this billboard for going away on a cruise in the Caribbean. And he looks it up, and he discovers that by skipping Christmas, which cost them $6,100 the year before, by skipping Christmas and going on a cruise as a couple, they can save $3,000. $3,000 if they leave on Christmas Day. So uh, the rest of the movie is is the rest of the neighborhood is like super irritated with the cranks because they're skipping Christmas. They're not putting Frosty up on the roof. They're not putting up any lights. They're not getting a Christmas tree. Uh, they refuse to buy a Christmas tree from the cute little Boy Scout who comes by. They, you know, they're just not, they're, they, they are the cranks. They're the cranks around Christmas, all right? And so, uh, and then it's the, it's the day before, well, actually, it would have been, it'd be like, I guess, Chris, 
Not Christmas Eve, but the day before Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve Eve, okay? December the 23rd. Uh, they get a surprise phone, phone call from Blair, their daughter. And she is in Miami, and she is flying to, for a surprise visit for Christmas. And not only that, she's bringing a surprise with her. Her new boyfriend, no, 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 not boyfriend, fiancé. It's been since Thanksgiving. It's been a month. They are like, they are going to get married, you know. And, you know, and so, and so they're going to, the surprise visit, and they're like, oh, no. Uh, and she wants to know if they're going to have the Christmas, the annual Christmas party. And so everything is about them trying to get everything ready for Blair, Tim Allen, Tim Allen, up on the roof, putting up, you know, Frosty, falls off the roof, saved by a rope. Dan Aykroyd comes. Uh, everybody hates him, doesn't want to help him. Dan Aykroyd actually saves Christmas in the movie. All right. Uh, he says, we're going to draw together, we're neighbors, and even if one of us has a bad attitude, we're not going to take out the sins of the father against the daughter. We're going to come together for Blair's sake, and we're going to make this the best Christmas party ever. And so, uh, in the end, finally, Tim Allen kind of pulls his head out of well, his backside, and, and he he's like, I, okay, I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I'm going to celebrate Christmas, and I'm going to go across, and I'm going to give our crews to our neighbors across the street who she was, you know, struggling with cancer and a, a, a couple who really needed to get away and experience something special. And so he gives it away and, you know, you end it and you smile and you feel good. So this is where it's a stretch, but I'm going to ask you to think about this for a moment. What if Jesus skipped Christmas? Are you with me here? What I mean, if you skip Christmas, you know, if I skip Christmas, you may think, ah, oh, gee, Gary's the Scrooge, he's the Grinch, uh, bah humbug. Uh, but, uh, you know, and would it be good for me to skip, skip Christmas? Well, as a pastor, it would be not, it'd be kind of silly. But for me, you know, I think for all of us, taking time to celebrate Christmas, I mean, really celebrate Christmas. The real Christmas, what Christmas is really about, I think is good for our souls. I do. I just think it's good for our souls. I think it's good for us just to just to immerse ourselves in the stories, the Christmas stories. And so that's what we're wanting to do, not just today, but over uh, the next three weeks. And by the way. I'm very much looking forward to our online service. And I'm very much looking forward to how we're going to do this. And it will be special, okay? Uh, even though it's my own idea, and that may sound kind of like presumptuous, but I do think it's going to be special. You know, when you read the Gospels, they're all written slightly differently. Uh, but John is written a lot differently from the other three Gospels. Why? Because it has a different theological emphasis. You know, when Matthew writes about the story of Jesus, when, uh, when Luke writes the story of Jesus, they both begin with, with narratives of the birth of Jesus. They begin with Jesus' birth. But what John does is something very, very different and if you read it, you may not recognize Christmas in it 
after your first reading or even your second reading. But as you continue to read it, and as you begin to mull over what John is doing in the Gospel of John, and what he's doing in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, you begin to see Christmas in it, but you see it, I believe, in a way that can inspire, if we will let it, it can inspire a sense of real wonder and worship at what God is all about and what God has done and what God is doing. So that being said, I want to read for you uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. I will tell you, uh, I'm going to read for you uh, from the New American Standard today. I'm not going to read for you from the NID. Normally I do. But today I want to read from uh, the New American Standard Bible. And the reason that I want to read it to you from the New American Standard is because I memorized this text, uh, all 18 verses, I don't know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Maybe, yeah, probably at least 40 years ago. And it's something that um, I just think is powerful. So let me read for you. It's going to be up on the screen. If you have a New American Standard Bible, you can open up to it. If you can access it online, that's fantastic. But this is the 1995, the then updated version of the New American Standard Bible. And what it says is this. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man, every person. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, the Jews, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled. That word dwell is skenet. Wait a second. Yeah, skenao. Okay? It means to tabernacle. It's the same word used in the Old Testament to speak of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Uh, and the word became flesh and, we, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. That's what I needed today. That's what I need every day. For of his fullness we have all received grace. 
in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. And that was a good thing. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, meaning in closest relationship with. Um, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Uh, I'd like to read this for you one more time. Uh, This time what I'm going to do is um, I've I've written it out in a, a paraphrase. Okay? And hopefully it doesn't muddy the waters for you. Hopefully it just helps you to kind of think about the text and ponder it maybe a little bit differently. Okay? So let me read this for you. In the beginning of creation, before anything had been made, the Word, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, was already eternally present and active. The Word was with God, meaning God the Father. And the Word was God, meaning that He was fully God in every sense, just as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are God. He was infinite, holy, sovereign, eternal, and glorious with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, having all the same attributes they had. He was eternally existing and active before all was made. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah, he was eternally active before all time. All things were created and made through him. In fact, nothing in all creation was made apart from his creative work. In him was life, all kinds of life, including earthly life and eternal life. Um, I missed something here. The, uh, this life is supposed to say this life uh, was the light of man. The, this light, that is the word who is the Lord Jesus Christ, was the light of all humanity. This eternal and infinite light shines triumphantly. It cuts through and dispels darkness, spiritual darkness. And darkness, spiritual darkness, cannot understand it, stand before it, comprehend it, or resist it. Verse 6. There came a man who was appointed, commissioned, and sent by God. His name was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that through his testimony, all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds might believe in the light. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was not the light, but he came so that he might testify about the light. There was the true light, the authentic light, the genuine light who was coming to the world and enlightens everyone who believes in him. The light was in the world, and the world was made through him. He created it by his power and authority. And yet the word did not know or recognize him. The light came to those who were his own, that is, the Jewish people. And yet his own people did not recognize, receive, or welcome him. But everyone who did receive and welcome him, he gave the right and privilege to become God's children. He gave this right and privilege to those who believed in him, trusting him, putting their confidence and hope in him. 
These people were born. Born, that is, reborn by the Spirit. Not just by a physical birth, not by human will, nor because of physical desire, but born of God. And the Word became flesh. That is, He took on all our humanity, except our sinful will. And He pitched His tent and set up camp in our neighborhood and tabernacled, uh, and tabernacled among us. Just as the Old Testament uh, tabernacle was the presence of God in Israel. And so we saw His glory, the Shekinah glory, uh, such as Israel saw in the wilderness. And we saw His glory, the glory of the one and only God, from God the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist testified about Him. He lifted up His voice for all to hear, and He said, This is the one I was telling you about when I said, The one who comes after Me, has a higher rank, um, has a higher rank and more authority than me because he existed for all of eternity before me. For of his fullness we have all received and continue to receive grace upon grace, endless grace, grace immeasurable, grace inexhaustible, all sufficient grace, the kind of grace that saves, the kind of grace that changes us. For the Old Testament law was given to us through Moses. But grace and truth were realized, made real through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God in his divine essence before. The one and only God, God the Son, who dwells in the bosom of the Father, in closest relationship with the Father. He has exegeted, explained, revealed him to us. So that if you have any questions about God, just look at Jesus. And you will see who God is and what God is like. Now, I know that's kind of long. I know it's a little bit wordy. But do you understand how many books have been written on these 18 verses? These 18 verses have had an huge... It's had a huge impact uh, on church history. It is, uh, it, I believe it would be impossible to read every book, every word written on these, on these 18 verses. I, I believe it is absolutely humanly impossible. I look at some of the single books written on this, and I feel like they are impossible to read. Why, 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 why has so much been written? On these 18 verses. There are three things I want you to see today. And I, I, I want to try to. It's very interesting. Uh, as you read through. Uh, as you read through. The gospel of John. The Greek is actually quite simple. I, I mean. I know if you've not studied Greek. It doesn't feel simple to you. Uh, you know, you're going to say it's Greek to me, all right? But but the Greek is actually quite simple. It's some of the simplest Greek you'll read in all of the Bible. And yet the concepts are incredibly profound. The, what, what John does is he uses very simple words to say extremely profound things. Okay, so a little lesson on church history. And I know this is what happens with a lot of people. 
is they, they put their fingers in the hear, their ears when they start hearing history. Okay? Have you ever heard the old saying, those who, uh, those who refuse to learn history are doomed to repeat it? Excuse me? Yeah, those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Thanks, Kathy. You know, um, when you read through church history, and I know most of you don't read church history, all right? I, I, I get that. I understand that. I was a history major in college. I've studied church history. I've studied a lot of other aspects of history. And obviously I've studied, you know, theology and, and had some theological training and stuff like that. One of the very first heresies, false teachings of the early church was something called Arianism. Please pay attention to this. Okay? Salvation is on the line right here. Please pay attention to this. There was a guy named Arius. Okay? Can you say boo? Boo. Boo. Okay, there's another guy named Athanasius. Can you say, uh, can you say yay? Okay, who's the bad guy? Well, the bad guy is Arius. The bad guy is Arius. Yeah, we do say boo, all right? Uh, and the good guy is Athanasius, okay? Uh, Arius was a, a false teacher who said that because Jesus was begotten of the Father, he was a created being, okay? Very interesting. One of the songs we sang this morning, the first song was, O Come All Ye Faithful. Very, very interesting in the second stanza. Did you say that yesterday that you were not familiar with that stanza before? Yeah, I, the second stanza was a new stanza for me. I'd never, I'd never heard it in the song before, but I've read it many, many times. Uh, I've read it a lot of times because it's the actual wording of the Athanasian Creed, and it's the actual wording of the Nicene Creed. By the way, creeds are hugely important. Statements of faith, doctrine is hugely important. I, I believe this. I, I, I believe that we don't get to believe anything we want to believe. I believe that Jesus is true, and in him is truth, and in him is grace. And if truth is irrelevant, then Jesus is irrelevant. If I get to choose my own truth apart from Jesus, then I choose falsehood. Um, Arius said that Jesus was not God. Arius said that Jesus was less than God because he was begotten of the Father. Therefore, he was a created being. Athanasius, by the way, uh, who some people did not like, those who were Arians did not like him. Uh, they did not like him. This all happened around late 200s, early 300s, if I remember correctly. Uh, they used to call him the black dwarf. They called him the black dwarf. It was a derogatory term. Well, first of all, because he was short, short of stature, hence dwarf. Black because of his dark complexion. Uh, he was from Alexandria uh, in Egypt. Uh, from a large Jewish community. He was actually Jewish, uh, dark-skinned. And, um, and, he was, um, and he was he was a pretty awesome guy. Pretty awesome guy. He's the one that authored the uh, Athanasian Creed, and it was from the Athanasian Creed that eventually the church uh, came up with the, uh, the, the Nicene Creed. And in the Nicene Creed, and in the Athanasian Creed, in the description of Jesus, they describe him as being God, very God of very God. Okay? They describe him as being light of light. 
They describe him as being uh, begotten but not created. These are all parts of an ancient creedal statement. It's the difference between heaven and hell. It is. It is that crucial to understand. This is the difference between going to heaven. This is the difference between going to heaven or going to hell. That if we reject who Jesus is, we reject what Jesus offers. Does that make sense? That what we see in the scriptures, and I want to try to show you this, is that Jesus, Jesus is the divine word, the fullness of God who created all things. That what the scripture says, that in the beginning was and was and was and was and was and was the word. Now, you may say, gee, Gary, I don't see was and was and was and was and was. The tense of this verb and tense is hugely important in Greek because it has a time value meaning past, present, future, but it also has a value of aspect. It doesn't just tell us that Jesus was in the past. It means that Jesus already was in the past. He already was in the beginning, meaning that he was eternal, having no beginning. In the beginning, the Word already was. And the Word was... And was and was and was, to say it in perfect tense again, was with God, meaning that he is in relationship with another entity referred to here as God. And I believe it's a reference to God the Father based upon the context. He was in the beginning with God. And the word, the word, the Greek word, Greek term for word is logos. And the word was God. The word was God. Uh, real quick, quick question. Why does John refer, call Jesus uh, the word? Why does he refer to him as the word? So in the, 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 the term logos, logos was a term that meant word or message, the way you use it in everyday life. But it also meant something like that, uh, much more important than that, for those who were Greek. It, it meant a lot, it, it also meant a lot more than the simple term of word or message uh, to the Hebrews. It meant something more. That, that for the Greeks, the logos was the, the, the central organizing principle of the entire universe. That logos represents the order of things. Anybody ever study biology? Okay. Anybody ever study it? I don't know. Have you ever studied uh, zoology? Have you ever studied, you know, all those ologies? Ology, that little, I don't know, what, what do you call that? That's a suffix? Is that a suffix? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. All right, Kathy, I need a school teacher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's a suffix. It comes from this Greek word, logos. It's this body of knowledge. Okay? It's a body of knowledge. And the Greeks valued knowledge. For the ancient Hebrews, that, that, that term logos represented the powerful word of God that brought into being all things ex nihilo. That means God created all things out of nothing. That apart from God, nothing existed. And out of nothing, God brought everything. 
Scientists might call that the, the Big Bang. But that God created everything out of nothing. He needed absolutely nothing to make everything that you think of around you. The seat that you sit on, the floor that you walk on, this planet that we live on, the star that our planet revolves around, the solar system, the, the, the space that we fill, the Milky Way galaxy filled with 100 billion stars, the, the, the billions and billions and billions of galaxies throughout our universe. God created every bit of that by his logos. See, that term, logos, meant a lot. And when John uses Logos, he uses it very intentionally. When John uses it, I wrote this down because I knew I was going to mess it up. When John uses the term Logos to speak of Jesus, he is stating that he is more than the, the organizing principle behind the universe and the power of God who creates all things. He is saying that Jesus is fully and eternally God, distinct from the Father. And he is the one who created all things. See, what the Bible says is it says, in the beginning was the Word. He was eternal in the beginning. And the Word was with God. He was in relationship with God the Father. This is part of what we call the Trinity. And the Word was God. He doesn't say that Jesus was a created being the way Arian did, or Arius did. Okay? Theology is important. Heaven and hell are in the balance here. Very interesting. Uh, so he was in the beginning. All things were created, came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being and th- that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, if you were a Jew living 2,000 years ago, when you read this, when you read this, you know what you think of? Do you know what you think of when you read these words? You think of the verse, first four verses of the book of Genesis. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Darkness. Remember how darkness plays a part in John 1? Darkness was over the deep. And the Spirit of God, oh wow, there's hints here at the Trinity, right at the beginning of the book of Genesis. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. You remember remember the light we were talking about just a moment ago in John 1? The the light that, that darkness cannot comprehend. The light that darkness cannot understand. The light that darkness cannot stop. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. You see, Genesis 1 is in John 1. And John 1 is in Genesis 1. And every Jew who lived 2,000 years ago who was reading this for the first time said, Wow, this is Genesis 1, but in a whole new way with more light. So they would see Genesis 1 and John 1, and they would see John 1 and Genesis 1. Okay, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Obviously, I'm a little amped about it. You say, oh, Gary's just a Bible nerd. Why does this matter? Christmas is so much more 
I, mean, I think Christmas, I think the Christmas stories are very sweet and sentimental. And I think they should be and enjoyed that way. But they are so much more than cute, sweet, sentimental stories. God was born in the manger. God who, by the power of His Word, He spoke the Word, and He created a hundred billion trillion stars. He, he said, God said, let there be, and there was a universe 540 billion trillion miles wide. I like to say that a lot. I don't know if y'all have ever noticed that. Because sometimes our imaginations are so small, we have a hard time really grasping how great our God is. And God holds that universe, it's like a BB in the palm of his hand. Did you know that? God is awesomely great. He is worthy of our worship. By the way, guess what? Nothing's too big to God. But nothing is insignificant to God either. Did you know he knows every hair on your head? I'm sorry, I looked at Steve when I said that. It takes him a little longer to count mine, okay? Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I probably have to apologize to Steve after. Steve, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? This is why I get in trouble with my wife a lot, okay? Uh, I should probably shut up. All right. Some of you are saying amen. All right. So I I want you to see. Can I show you two more things here? Two more things. Number one, okay, I, I, I said that Jesus is the divine word, the fullness of God who created all things. But Jesus took on the fullness of our humanity and tabernacled among us. You know how I told you a moment ago that there is Genesis in John, and there is John in Genesis. Did you know, you know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Did you know that? What's the second book of the Bible? Can anybody tell me? Exodus. Did you know that Exodus is in John 1? And did you know that John 1 is in Exodus? Did you know this? I mean, some of you may have known this. Some of you may have, you've been studying scriptures for a very long time, and you've already heard all this before, and you've heard it from people who are smarter than me, Okay. What the scripture says, verse 14, the word became flesh. The word, the logos, remember that? The word became flesh and dwelt. Skin, na'o. Skin, na'o. Just think skin and then na'o. All right? I don't know. Skin, na'o. It, it means literally to pitch your tent. It means literally to tabernacle. It is literally the same word used so many times in the book of Exodus to speak of the tabernacle. You remember what the tabernacle did in the book of Exodus? Well, just in case you don't remember, it was a tent. It was made by the people of Israel, extremely ornate. It was like this is before they built the temple under Solomon. This, this was a long time before that. And so they built this tent that they could carry with them while they were in the wilderness. And you know what it represented? It represented the presence of God. And do you know what was over the tabernacle that the people of Israel saw? They saw the cloud by day, the light by night, the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God. Can you say Shekinah? The Shekinah glory of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. 
And if you're an ancient or ancient Jew and you're reading this, you're thinking, oh, this is the tabernacle. Oh, wait a second. He is the tabernacle. Oh, Jesus is the substance. The tabernacle is only the shadow. Do you get this? Jesus is the substance. The, the tabernacle was only a shadow, a representation of what they were waiting for. Israel was waiting for God to make his dwelling with man. By the way, do you know what that means in the end when God consummates all things? The Bible doesn't teach us that we're going to live way up in the sky, in the heavens. The Bible teaches us, go back, read Revelation chapter 21, 22, you'll see it. We live on this planet made new. And heaven comes down to earth. That's what the Bible says. I read it last week. I read it last week to remind myself that one day, everything that we see in this world that's so wrong is going to be made right. And God is going to make his dwelling with us permanently, forever. And Jesus was the dwelling of God. The dwelling of God. This is what Christmas is. Christmas is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw His glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father. John testified about him, about Jesus. John the Baptist testified about him. He cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness, for of his fullness, we have all received in grace upon grace. For of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law, the law was given through Moses. That's a good thing. Moses was a good guy. God, he really was. He was a good guy. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pause there for a moment. We live in a world that says, you have your truth, I have my truth. You have your truth, I have my truth. You ever hear this? That nowadays, nowadays in our world, we say everybody has a right to their own truth. Is that not true? No. I have my truth, you have your truth. So it's not true. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, um, if I ask you which way is north, if I, if I ask you which way, I've done this with you a lot of times. If I ask you which way is north, if I say everybody stand up and then on the count of three, point north, I guarantee you we're not all going to be pointing north. Only me will point north, okay? We all have an opinion about which direction north is. But north is not an opinion. Truth is not an opinion. Truth is true because it corresponds to reality. And if it does not correspond to reality, it does not matter how sincere I am or how sincere you are. If I head off in the direction of my north, I probably end up in Los Angeles. Which is kind of like going to hell. No, just kidding. Especially for all those people who are from L.A., okay? But I, I should have said Las Vegas, okay? Uh, that way I don't offend anybody. So, see, see here's the thing is, is that, that, that when we approach truth like it's an opinion, we will believe anything, we will believe everything. 
But let me tell you, Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the way. Third thing I want you to see in the text. It is through Jesus that we receive unending grace. Any of y'all need new grace? I hurt my wife's feelings last night. I did. I hurt her deeply. I was joking around, but it wasn't. It didn't feel like a joke to her. It felt like a joke to her, to her expense. I have prayed, God, please use me to be an encouragement to my wife. I have prayed, God, please use me to be an encouragement to my children, to my new son-in-law, my new daughter-in-law. And I turned around last night, and I said something trying to be funny, and I hurt my wife's feelings. I couldn't take it back. I couldn't undo the harm I did with my careless words. Folks, we all fail every day. It's not just me. I guarantee you, I mean, if I sit down with you, you'll tell me the same thing. That it may, For you, it may not be a careless word. It may be something different. I need grace every day. I needed the grace that saved me when I first put my hope, my faith in Jesus. But I need the grace of God every single day. I need grace when I make a joke at my friend's expense. Not talking about anybody specific here. But I, I, I need grace every day. I do. I do. It's through Jesus Christ that we receive unending grace. Grace, limitless grace, inexhaustible grace. Grace after grace. Grace upon grace. It's through Jesus that we receive unending grace that grace and truth have come. In Jesus is grace and in Jesus is truth. By the way, truth is your friend. Did you know that? Did you know truth is your friend? Okay, I'm going to say this. Please give me a little. Please bear with me a little bit. If I come to you and I tell you, not me, let's pretend like it's not me. Let's pretend like a very dear close friend comes to you and says, let's, let's pretend they come to me and they say, Gary, what you're doing is destructive. If you keep doing what you're doing, this is going to create great pain in your life and it's going to create great pain in the lives of the people you love. Now, I can dismiss my friend and just say, oh, you're being judgmental. Or I can listen to him and I can weigh his words and I can try to be humble and try to consider, is this true? Because, see, if I hear the truth, even when I don't like the truth, I, I think we live in a world where it's very unpopular to say, I'm sorry, but this lifestyle you're choosing for yourself is destructive. I'm sorry, but if you do this, this is going to really hurt some people. And, and I think we, we live in this world where it's, it's like it is offensive to say you believe something is true. And it's, in, it's offensive to say that this is sinful. But I'm going to tell you, is we may be able to shut up a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, but it's not going to shut, shut God up. That if we ignore the truth one day, 
you know, if I ignore the truth that my doctor gives me, it might kill me. Did you know that? Did you know if I ignore the truth the doctor gives me, it could kill me? If I ignore the truth of the scriptures, it can lead to my judgment. Wow, that's kind of heavy. So, um, so maybe this is where we need to finish this. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world. He came to those who were his own. But those who were his own did not receive him. And those who reject Jesus will one day experience judgment, eternal judgment. They will. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible says. But as many as received him. But as many as received him. But as many as actually welcomed him. Every person who receives Jesus, every person who welcomes Jesus, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. You know, I do believe it's possible to go to church and, uh, well, I don't know. There's an old saying, uh, you can go to McDonald's, but it doesn't make you a hamburger. Did you know that? You can go to McDonald's. It doesn't make you a Happy Meal. Um, going to church no more makes you a Christian than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. That there has to be a moment in our lives where we come to a place of complete hopelessness. Complete hopelessness. I'm not saying this in in words that make it popular or easy to accept. I'm saying it uh, in difficult words because I think it has to be said this way. Until we come to a complete hopelessness in our righteousness. I'm a good person. Until we come to a place of complete hopelessness in our righteousness. Oh, I'm a good person. I go to church. I, I don't, you know, I don't cuss a lot. I'm, I'm never saying an unkind word to my wife like Gary does. You know, until we come to a place of complete hopelessness in our righteousness, we're not able to come to the place of complete hope in the righteousness that God wants to give to you and me. Now, I know for many of you, and what I'm wanting from this series is this, is I'm wanting anyone who is a nominal Christian to become a Christian. I'm wanting anyone who is a sleeping Christian, meaning that you've made a real commitment to Jesus, but you're kind of going through the motions of what it means to be a Christian, meaning that that you're basically a good person, but are you actively following Jesus day by day? My prayer is that through this series, anybody who's a nominal Christian will become a Christian, that anyone who is a sleeping Christian will be awakened. With a new vibrancy and vitality that comes from Jesus. 
And I'm praying for those of us which I am convinced is the majority of us are sincerely trying to daily follow Jesus. I believe that's most of us in this room. I want us to capture a fresh glimpse of God and what happened in the manger that God took on our humanity to build this perfect bridge between heaven and earth so that we could be saved. Today, if anybody from YouTube, anybody from Facebook watching today, if none of you have yet put your hope, your faith in Jesus, if anyone here has not yet done that, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say, God, I have sinned against you. I will never be good enough on my own merit to enter your kingdom. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin to save me. That's my atoning sacrifice. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And today you make that decision. You don't have to say the words I said. You just have to say, God, save me. You just have to call on the name of the Lord, and he will save you. Let me pray for us. God, um, I, I, um, I do feel inadequate to be able to speak about these things just because they're just so huge. And God, I feel inadequate because I know I still need your grace every single day. But God, I am so grateful that your grace makes me adequate. That your grace makes each and every one of us who put our hope, our faith in Jesus, makes us righteous. It makes us your children who are born of God. Born by the Spirit. Born again to new life in Jesus. God, I am grateful for this. I pray that over the the next few weeks, this will be a time for us of just real worship. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gary. You know, I'm so grateful that Jesus came, that he chose to come and... You know, today uh, we brought our little representation of Jesus in the manger, and I think you know when you when I you know when I look at a little baby, you think of you know they can't do anything for themselves, and to think that the Word Jesus became a baby that could do nothing for himself. It's just it's really amazing, and that he came with a purpose. And he came to bring us hope. He came, started at the cradle, and then he went to the cross. I think that that represents the purpose of Jesus. That's why the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, is because he saw each one of us and said, I love you, and I want to make a way for you to have a relationship with me. And that's why he went to the cross, and it's just amazing. And that's why we have hope every day. And it's also the source of our joy. You know, true joy is found in Jesus Christ. It's that joy of the Lord. You know, the word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So I just want to invite you to stand up as we finish. Uh, We're going to finish with joy to the Lord. And I just want to invite you this week 
to have that joy of the Lord. And if somebody asks, what's the source of your joy? You know, share with them what God has done in your life. Joy to the world, the Lord is called. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more lessons and sorrows grow, nor thorns unfest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Thank you so much for coming today. I hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Take care.